We have some Paul Ryan developments. Please tell me this is like the last time. I I, I hope so, but or it's it's an unsettling truth. Paul Ryan wears Allbirds. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So this this was brought to my attention. I'll send you a thing. I don't know if this is. A, I just googled it, but I don't know. Uh, this is brought to my attention from uh, the previous chef special pick, uh, Hassan Minaj's show on Netflix called Patriot Act. And as part of their um, a show we did on Facebook and internet privacy concerns and stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it was brought to my attention that um, Paul Ryan definitely wears all birds. With khakis, too. Hmm. Well, it's a good look, though. Not really. I, I, th- I think anything he does looks good. Uh, it's tough to be unfashionable when you're taking health care away from pores. Uh, good fucking riddance. Yeah, I was going to say something very similar. Uh, I, I very much dislike Trey Gowdy, too, but I don't know if you saw the thing where he basically proposed to him uh, when he was giving an introduction to his farewell speech. I made every attempt to not watch a minute of that. Very good. Well, that, that's smart thinking. That's, that's, that's very <laughs> proactive of you. Okay, so I want to get that other. It's 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 still troubling. But look, can we move on to happier things? But let let's, let's do that. What what could be? Do you have your phone nearby? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> uh, then I will find a way to make this happen on the internet or on a on a traditional computer. What's a computer? What's a computer? <laughs> um, Instagram dot com. God, this new desk is messing with my um, Microsoft Sculpt uh, RF thing. Does your desk not have a name? It does. I, I don't know if it does. It's 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 not from my. It's from an adult furniture store. Not mm. in that way. It's mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. in, instantly. Uh-huh. Remember how that sound? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Writing that down. Adult furniture store. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, stalling for time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sending you the thing. So important mascot news. I'm I'm scooping you on your own thing. So the St. Louis Blues, which are apparently a professional hockey club, have a new service dog in training, and he's amazing. He's the absolute best. This is this is wonderful. So his name's Barkley, but spelled like it, I, I googled it or, or I was reading an article about it, and apparently Barclay is, is somebody who's important to that organization or that team or something like that. So, so it has a more meaningful name, not just that Barkley, like B A R K, is a really really good name, but you can see him with whatever their mascot is. I don't know. Is it a giant mouse? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> can never be too sure. Um, but yeah, there's a video that got a lot of attention on the, if you're looking at it on a computer, it's the three, six, it's the eighth post. We should play it. He's holding, he's, he actually has a hockey stick in his mouth and he's, he's, he's kind of crushing it. And the, the best part is he is a service dog in training. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything, unlike our first story where everything about that was terrible, everything about this is just wonderful. We're turning over a new leaf because you yeah. turned me on to the, um, I forget what the organization was or what the reason was, but the Sharks had a thing where, was it the Sharks where they had a, a service dog or like a guide dog doing the um, thing where they dropped the puck? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. Was last season. Yeah. This is, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. This is pretty good. So I have, I have some different uh, mascot follow-up. 
So I went to mm-hmm. a uh, Washington Wizards game over the weekend and did not know that they had a mascot, although I guess every team sort of does have a mascot and it's just some teams are more public about it, I guess. So let me introduce you here via this link I just sent in the thing to G-Wiz, G-W-I-Z. Mm-hmm. I'm, was... on, I'm on Google image search. He's riding a motorcycle for some reason. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of questions about this mascot that instantly popped into my head when I saw him on Sunday. The the first of which was just kind of like what 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 is he exactly? <laughs> he looks like um, the Philly fanatic mixed with Cookie Monster. See my my first impression or the first answer to my own question was he looks like a blue version of that uh, Flyers mascot that we talked about a week or two ago. Gritty? Yeah. No, he doesn't. He's kind of like a less creepy blue version of Gritty. Well, Gritty's not creepy. But <laughs> gritty is the most American thing we have going right now. Um, no, this is this is weird. I don't I don't know what the deal with his, with his hat is. But otherwise, he he looks yeah he, he looks like um, Cookie Monster and the Fanatic. Yeah, okay. I mean the, the, I, I can every, see that every mascot's dumb. Do, do the Lakers have a mascot? See, not that's that a serious I... question. I I don't even I don't even know. I know we we've covered that the Clippers do. I not Lakers I, no. mascot. Uh, none, according to Google. Yeah, I don't, I was going to say, I don't think they do. So maybe that statement I said up front is actually incorrect. Maybe not every team does have a mascot. Yeah. What city were the Lakers originally from? Minneapolis. Hmm. So it, it, on this G-Wiz page, which will be in the notes, there are some facts about him. Yeah, um, this is, this, this is written too cutely. Um... His hobbies are magic, running, dunking, and reading. The three R's. And his position on the basketball court is center of attention. Which, mm, mm. This is fine. All, all of this is supposed to be dumb and silly, and I, I am totally okay with this. The, the name also, I don't know about. I think it's great. Again, it's the Wizards. What, what are you going to do? G-Wiz. G-Wizards. That's, that's, that's totally hmm. it's way better than, according to this Google search, uh, the Indiana Pacers, allegedly a basketball team. Their mascot's name is Boomer? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, am I not getting a... Actually, holy crap, what is this? It looks like a, a bobcat, maybe? I don't, th- I don't think I'm familiar with this one either. So Indiana, I'll look this up in real time. Pacers mascot. Boomer the Panther. Yeah, he's got a little Donald Trump haircut. Like, he's, he's, this, is, this is very upsetting. Yeah, what's with the hair? We're going to move off this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... Um, yeah, you know, the world does not need this. Okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, d- during your uh, uh, sporting event <laughs> that you witnessed? What did he do? Like, what what are his antics? Like, what what does he do on the court, or what, how was he involved? He participated in the t-shirt cannon thing. Um, I've never seen that in person. Is that is that actually a thing that happens all the time? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Warriors don't do that, do they? Oh yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I can't, nothing else that he did really comes to mind other than just looking weird and just running around. Was he effectively the center of attention? No, because I don't remember anything he did. <laughs> well, then you can knock him down on his OKRs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I guess maybe in his defense, I was too busy watching the Lakers get crushed, so. Oh, that's, I thought you'd be immune to that. <laughs> Unfortunately, because yeah, I don't, I don't think King, I don't think King James is going to fix that anytime soon. I don't see it uh, in person very often, so yeah, it's, it's a oh, bit, it's, it's a bit it's, different. It's, it's different in person. <laughs> yeah. Mm, probably true. Uh, okay. Uh, a couple of things before we get into follow-up. Uh, this, is, this is a vaguely actually this this is this is a pre follow up. So a couple of app related things that I wanted to run by you. Um, so you're you're a Disney fan, right? I am. Yeah. Have you ever been to Disney World? I have. So uh, apparently they have a white label version of Lyft inside of Walt Disney World, and the service is called Minivan, and that's amazing. I, unlike G Wiz, th this is a good name. See, all the hold on to to bring this back to T word stuff. All the people that worked on the name minivan, why couldn't they have been assigned to create a better name than Disney Plus? Oh, they were they were too busy with this. Yeah, the the timing might have actually uh, crossed over. But that's this this is. I'm not a Disney person. I don't really care for the Disney park situation. And I don't know, like, I think you're sort of on board with that, but I don't, you're not one of those weird adult Disneyland people, right? Not to keep putting the word adult in front of things, but you know how there's the people who are like, at like oddly serious about Disneyland as an experience as like a fully grown person. Yes. Very, very familiar with that. So, so that's not you, but you still like Disney. Correct. Yeah. I go, you know, once every call it two to four years and you know that's it's fine during the midterms and the regular election yeah that's right mm -hmm. all right um uh yeah a little known fact house uh elected representatives can only go every two years mm -hmm. but senators only get to go every four that's right mm -hmm. but yeah this this uh like I, i've always been under the impression that that was actually one thing where even in today's age of cost cutting and all that kind of stuff the Disney parks are actually still pretty great and they're very, very into creating an end to end holistically well thought out experience. And this seems pretty cool. Disney world more so than Disneyland. D Disney world is just on a different scale. Like when you go, like this was the experience that I had when I went, you literally put a special tag on your checked luggage. And then when you land in Orlando, you don't go to baggage claim to pick up your bag. A Disney employee does and brings it to your hotel. Mm -hmm. And you get to pick from, you know, there's something like 15 different hotels in Disney World. And from like the moment you get on site, it's just like everything is Disney. Like everything. The, the soap in the bathroom is Mickey Mouse shaped. You know, your waffles in the morning are like, it's just like it's Disney just, you know, top to bottom. And this minivan service is a good example of that and i like how it works just in the lyft app i was thinking this was going to have to be like a separate app you download but i like that this is just integrated into something that a lot of people are already going to have yeah it's like when lyft turns into like a different app inside the airport just because it knows that it should be a different experience 
Yeah, this is this is smart. I mean, there's there's no shortage of ways to get around in Disney World. There's buses, there's the monorail, there are boats. So you can walk a lot of places. Um, but I mean, I guess this is another good option. You're making it sound like Walt Disney World will become the 51st state before uh, Washington, D.C. <laughs> it might. It just might. Yeah. And then other app-related news on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, apparently, Uber advertises inside of the Tinder app. And it shows up like you've matched with somebody. And that's just creepy and shitty all around. Hmm. You'd think that they <laughs> not sure want to be up on the way Tinder works. Yeah, you'd think they'd want to just kind of shy away from, you know, anything like that. But yeah, and now you're here. Okay, so follow up. Um, oh, I still had gritty in here. Okay, so wait, do I have the? Oh shit, do I have the right? Th oh, the thing ate my outline. Hold on, let me up. Let me find the version I sent you. Yeah, I've I've got I've got the one that that you sent me open. Oh no, I always send you a redacted version and then every single time there's a bug in Omni Outliner that crashes when I save a separate copy to my desktop. Nice. <laughs> like literally every time. And I've just never filed a bug report. Um, so it's, it's your fault, really. Uh, how do I navigate over to Dropbox? It probably is. Or I think it's the weird dark mode thing that you sent me. Yeah, I was kind of trying something out. A little different. But it's so weird that it translates that to my computer that doesn't have Mojave on it. Well, it's not a Mojave thing. That, that It's just a um, oh, outliner it. theme. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, Amazon Go. That's uh, So, I, I finally had a chance to go. Nope. That wasn't meant to be a pun, <laughs> or I don't think that counts as a pun. That wasn't meant to be... Uh, it's you an know, iambic pentameter or whatever it is. So it's it's you know it's a little bit like going to the adult furniture store. Mm, no, <laughs> so it's 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 neat ish. Um, there was um more employees than I thought there would be. Yes, mm -hmm. and also like the the kind of uh, I guess maybe they've had issues with it where like th there was somebody like very actively managing people coming into the store. Right. I mean, eh, that was a little. little seems like maybe there's is something that's rough around the edge with it but it, it was neat it worked just fine um i think i stole a bag so that i i owe the amazon corporation dollar because it didn't charge me for my reusable shopping bag but uh it's 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 pretty it's pretty okay uh poor poorly thought out uh sparkling water selection yes the the Lacroix flavors are literally the worst Lacroix flavors yeah, you. It's like the cran raspberry one and a bunch of other stuff. It's it's just just get out of here. Where's where's just plain lemon? You you mocked me for my Lacroix purchase when I went, but well, because well, I didn't I didn't realize that your purchase of the curate flavor was uh, out of necessity. <laughs> but they have they have the the spindrift water, which which is which is fine, which I would take over the funky Lacroix flavors. But yeah, the prepared foods were neat, a little bit pricier than you'd expect, but the. The wrap that I and croissant that I got was good, and yeah, it's fine. And yeah, I, I owe them a dollar, so they can they can take it out of my tax refund or something. <laughs> uh, but as as I was wandering around doing stuff yesterday in the city, uh, they apparently there's also a second one that's opened up in Union Square. Yes, so that mm -hmm. that that was very very quick, and it, I, I really hope that concept uh, expands because it's it's pretty neat, and I I hope that replaces every Seven Eleven in existence. But was so you mentioned you saw a lot of employees did you have the same experience that i did where 
there were more employees than customers in there? No, I saw like three or four like administrative employees and then like three like people stocking and doing stuff. And there were probably like 11 people in here. This was, it was like a one o'clock in the afternoon. So it was as at the tail end of the lunch mm-hmm. rush hour, maybe. So yeah, there, there were people in there. Um, I do like, I, I tried to trick the system like a couple times, like just by grabbing multiple things at the same time and then being not super obvious that I was putting it back and in the system, it, it was, it was effective and it realized it. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but a billion and one cameras in the store. That's yeah. No, the the roof is. Don't don't, don't look up because it's yeah. Well, it's funny because when you don't look up, it you know it just it just looks like a nice store, right? Like it looks like a it looks like a more upscale Seven Eleven. It really does. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, you look up and it's just like it's almost like being on a movie set where when you look where you're supposed to. It, you know, it looks like a city or whatever it's supposed to be, but then you just you, look... you, you, you zoom out, yeah, a little bit and it's like there's oh, there's other people here, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it's it's neat. Um, yeah, I think that of all the retail concept, like I actually don't know what Amazon's long game with this is because I think the Amazon bookstore is uh like I'd, I'd give it a C as a as a concept. Amazon four star is probably a D minus. I think they're going to abandon that really quickly. But I think this is actually pretty neat. I just don't really know. Is this Amazon's... Like, it seems like small potatoes, sort of. Well, I assume it's the technology. Like, I assume the the store itself and kind of the Amazon Go brand is not necessarily something that they're all that interested in, in growing, but... The technology that runs the store, I assume, is is what they're most focused on. But is is Amazon into the licensing business? I thought their whole thing is that everything in the world they like they want to they want to work with everybody, but they want everything to go through Amazon. I'm usually not like I I wouldn't think they do the reverse. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. But they've also proven themselves to be willing to try all kinds of different things. So licensing maybe <laughs> is something that they would consider i don't know yeah all right so yeah that was neat um 538 is uh unfortunately losing a, a key part of the show uh the politics podcast uh is the the host jody avergan is not gonna be on the show anymore effective two days ago uh because he's gonna leave to focus on uh the 30 for 30 podcast series that he uh hosts and I've only listened to a couple of them, so I don't know. I don't know if he's on every episode, but yeah, that's that's a big loss for the show. Yeah, I, it's one of those things. In retrospect, I should have seen coming because it. I've noticed that literally every non Monday episode, like whenever there's an emergency podcast or any other kind of special episode, he used to still host a fair amount of those, but he hasn't hosted a single non Monday show in months. So it seems like this has been kind of a long time coming. Yeah, but no, he, he's he's pretty great, and he was always really, really good at the live events, and I think that's something that um, takes an extra special skill set. Like, I think I think being funny and engaging and that kind of stuff in, like, a podcast studio with people you know, and also, like, doing it in front of an audience of hundreds or thousands of people is different, and he seemed really good at that, so. Yeah, he did. 
but I mean, I think fortunately, like Micah and Galen are both really good. Um, I think those are the same person. <laughs> right. Uh, that's a good joke if you listen to the show. Um, <laughs> and well, I assume now that it's out of the news, it'll stop being a joke. But the fact that Micah Cohen and Michael Cohen are are very, very similar names will be mm. less of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I put this in here and I don't remember if I'm remembering it right, but you had given it a recommendation or, or a chef's pick uh, to a skiing app. Yes. Was slopes. that slopes? Mm-hmm. So apparently they have some type of partnership with uh, Strava, which is the, the running app that I really like. And uh, let me go over to the thing. So does this, does this mean you're going to try skiing? God, no. <laughs> um, no, what I, what I wish is <laughs> there was an Uber or a Lyft for a thing where it would just take you to wherever it's snowing and then you can just go somewhere and read quietly and have coffee in a place where it's snowing lightly. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's my million dollar idea. Cause I like uh, snowboarding and skiing. I, I, this seems very, very unpleasant. And I'm always struck by the fact that it, it, I, I do not expect, uh, snow areas to be so blindingly bright just cause like you would think that if it's 30 degrees outside, it would not be uh sunglasses weather and stuff like that. But no, yeah, when you're out skiing or snowboarding or whatever, you you definitely need tinted goggles because yeah, it's it's very very bright. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, quite quite the opposite. I'd, I'd much rather have some s'mores and and uh, a nice latte and, and a book than being outside and doing stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't. So apparently they're integrating it so that you whenever you do stuff inside of slopes, it now maps that data into Strava on your athlete profile. Uh, with all the GPS data and stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. Because Strava is one of those weird things where it's not like Nike Plus running or any of that other kind of stuff where it's it's super um, super common. But it seems like Strava has a good foothold with people who are serious about whatever they do, whether it be it's mostly cycling with them uh, or running and apparently now skiing. Hmm. So kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. And then you put something in here about uh, Starbucks partnering with uh, with D with 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 Uber. Yeah, so they're doing deliveries now, which I think they've been doing on a limited trial basis because I've definitely seen Starbucks delivery offered before, but so it's kind of inconsistently. But I guess now this is going to be at something like a quarter of their US locations. Um but I don't know, like to me this is all just like falls into that bucket that just Uber in general falls into, which I think is going to become a lot more relevant as they move towards an IPO, which is like, how is any of this sustainable? Like to me, unless there's some kind of like huge minimum involved, like I just don't know how delivering, you know, two to $4 cups of coffee is, is economically feasible. Well, it's all those $5 Starbucks gift cards that guy's going to get one. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to know what that means. Um, yeah, I'm... And also, I mean, th- so yeah, I don't I don't get this at all. It feels like Starbucks is too... Like, I can maybe, maybe understand, like, and I don't think this is really like an Uber concept, because this, this would be too short range. But like, if you were an office and somebody wanted to make a Starbucks order for like six drinks for the office and... 
the Starbucks is two blocks away and therefore like a human just walks it over. But that doesn't really seem like that, that has nothing to do with cars or like Uber. But like, it just seems like, yeah, coffee is just too low cost a thing for that to be feasible. Right. It's, it, it seems silly. And I'm also super like, I, I really, um, dislike and i don't dislike the people that do it but like or i mean the the employees but like i just i don't like the idea of doordash like i I like food delivery other than pizza makes very little sense to me and seems like a really um privileged activity am i out of line with that no you're you're not i think it's it's privileged in the sense that it's usually relatively high cost, and it's only available to a very, very small percentage of people. You know, mostly just living in a select number of large cities. And the thing, the thing that I would add on to it, as someone who's given stuff like DoorDash and Uber Eats and a handful of these other services a try, is the experience is usually not very good. Your food, yeah, your your food is is on the colder side. It always takes longer than they say it's going to. We we actually had one experience one night where literally the food just never showed up and we had to like go through this whole thing with customer service and it was just, it was a whole mess. So I don't, I don't think we ever really had a good food delivery experience. I, I'm definitely more the type, especially now having moved out of San Francisco where instead of waiting for delivery, I would much rather just put it in an order for pickup and just go pick it up myself. So that's the big thing. If there's a big, like, big TED Talk, big idea to take away from this conversation, is that, like, I am so in, and that's the thing with Starbucks, is that I am so into and and more likely to shop or a, a transact with a business that has a good mobile ordering experience for pickup. Like, you don't need to solve the last mile problem. Just make it easy for me to do business with you. You don't need to do any of this other stuff where it, it's a bunch of people in the mission where they're trying to replace what their mom did for them. Like, just make it easy for for me to to place an order, know about when it might be available, and then just Apple Pay it, and then be, be done with things. Yeah, and I would expand that beyond just food into retail as well. I think stores that offer in-store pickup are awesome. Like, Apple's experience doing that's really good. I've had good experiences with Best Buy doing mm-hmm. that. It makes it so that you're not worrying about whether something's in stock. You don't need to worry about where in the store it is. You get to skip the whole black tie protection conversation. It, uh, they it, they still offer that. Really? Oh, at, at, I, I at Apple, pickup, they... Or no, but with Best Buy specifically, I, I, uh, they had a couple hard drives on sale, and I grabbed them, and, and no, they, were, they, they still offered the... Mm. Uh, uh, in case it blows up, I think were the exact words they used. <laughs> um, I, I could get a black tie protection on it for... A very reasonable amount, but I, I I passed. Yeah, Apple. When you do the in-store pickup on anything that has Apple Care, they they just don't even bother. Yeah, um, Apple's is maybe on the side of maybe being too hands off. That is the one thing that, for other reasons and, and data not and, and anecdotal data not related to this specific conversation. Yeah, sometimes theirs is maybe too uh, get it and leave. Uh, where that's not providing enough handholding for uh, the person buying something, but no, yeah, in store pickup is is great, and but particularly with food stuff, like that's why like uh, Phil's like has 
gets probably like a hundred dollars a month for me just because it's so easy uh to to just grab and go with them versus walking in and having it be oh shit there's there's nine people online and i'm gonna be late for work that type of thing right and the other thing i would add on the retail side which i think is relevant especially this time of year where maybe you're out looking for gifts is there's nothing worse than going to a store and not knowing whether they're going to have something i just i i hate that feeling and also the thing where like because you hate to be that person where like where you're like but the website says you have it or like there's supposed to be three here like i mean there's so many it could have been in customers hands like somebody's walking around in the frozen food section and they have three of the uh, picture frame that you want to target or whatever but like that that sucks to to go out of your way to someplace in the freezing cold or whatever and and, and it not actually be there versus right. pickup where you where you you know it's going to be there um yeah no so that that generally is a way better experience i agree yeah so thumbs down to whatever this uber and starbucks thing is but mm-hmm. <sighs> and also and to and to their christmas cups put, put, put the christ back in christmas I don't think I've been to a Starbucks since the holidays started. So I don't I don't even really know what they look like this year. I'm just I'm just assuming there's some Tucker Carlson style outrage about it not being religious enough or it being too not religious. Everybody's mad about everything all the time. I thought he, I thought he was too busy saying horrible things about immigrants. But did he did he have time to talk about the Starbucks cups too? I, th- I think you can insult brown people in, in Starbucks in the same show. Yeah, well, if anybody could, it'd be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't watch his program, but I, unfortunately it does trickle through with uh, Twitter. Apparently there was a whole segment on outrage over uh, people trying to make gingerbread man uh, gender neutral. Oh, I yeah saw something about that and immediately Promptly scro- scrolled past that. Uh, anyway, Jesus. Oh yeah. The culture wars. Uh, so what main topics let's, let's move some stuff around. So do you want to, I feel like we gave Apple or I, sorry, I don't want to include you in this. Uh, or hold on. I don't want to drag you into the mud. I think I gave Apple a really hard time last week, but do you want to give them uh, to bestow some, um, heap some praise on them? Uh, what about? They, I, I know that the, the, the news cycle moves so fast and this happened six days ago. So therefore it might as well have not even happened. Uh, it is, is in the outline. We have uh, Apple to add $1 billion campus in Austin, Texas in a broad U.S. hiring push. Yeah. That, so, so, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So of the positive news, and, I, and I'm not even going to say like I, I've done an EIR on this um, to consider all the factors, but after the whole dumb prolonged bullshit charade that was hq2 and amazon uh basically like trying to bilk cities for tax uh tax breaks and a bunch of bullshit in in like some weird um and in retrospect it actually seems like from day one really dumb and this wasn't my read so i don't want to act like i'm like i'm better than everybody else for thinking it like i think i actually thought like oh yeah hq2 that's that's pretty neat but like in in retrospect, it was such a like I I I I can't think of good PR upside for them, even if there hadn't been the trailing backlash. But anyway, out beside all that, Apple just quietly like did a press release a week ago, uh, conveniently timed a week after all the uh, HQ two anger, 
uh, of just being like, oh yeah, we're we're just going to invest a million a billion dollars in a new campus in Texas, and we're going to create a whole bunch of jobs. And we didn't put on a dog and pony show for a year. Um, that's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, at, at least not a dog and pony show that we saw publicly. Oh, I sure. Guess, like, I guess, like, like, I, Apple's super shrewd, I, in, as we've talked about. And you, as you can see in all the pricing of their products, they are all about their money. But they didn't basically try to make local governments um, like put on a baking competition to see who can be 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 chosen and given a rose to have like fucking Jeff Bezos's warehouses. Yeah, I mean, again, not at least not publicly, but exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you still shop around and do stuff like that, but you, but you can. <laughs> that's the whole thing: is government is supposed to be shady and silent. That's those were the old days. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I guess the other positive part of this story too is it is good to see tech companies go outside the bay area i mean we definitely joke plenty on this show about kind of the t-word bubble and it's you know it's it having been in that bubble for eight plus years now it, it's definitely a thing so i i like seeing companies go outside this area and i think proves something that i've been thinking a lot more about which is like there's just there's nothing inherent to the Bay Area and Silicon Valley that makes it so that all these companies have to be here. I like I, for, I forget if I, I forget if I've gone on this whole thing on the show before, but like I've talked to like friends and family about it, where you know there's there's not some rare mineral or something here that makes it so that companies have to be here to produce what they produce. I disagree. Okay. Like I would, I don't disagree that strongly, but I think so. I think when you're a young company, I think it actually is true that the connections that can be made and the proximity to um, investment capital and peers and that kind of stuff, there is something to be said for being in a metropolitan area where that industry is very, very common, and that would be the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and also parts of New York now. Um, when you become a larger company, I think all those advantages go away. And and that is absolutely true. When when you become the size of an Amazon or an Apple or even a mid-sized company, you can have you can have offices wherever the hell you want. You don't have to be here. Um, but for newer companies, I would say that is probably still true. I think it I I don't know exactly how to phrase this. I I, I agree it's true, but I I don't think it's unchangeable. Maybe is what I'm getting at. I think it's becoming less important, right? In the sense that, like, just with, like with with the internet, just just in the way that we communicate. Like, I mean, back in the old days, like when it was like Sun Microsystems and all that kind of shit. Like, it was like there was not social media and like really easy ways to communicate with other people. So human connect human connections, but like in in person connections were more important. Um, where now being remote is is a much more easy thing. But I I. Do you think like proximity to peers and investors in the early days of a company is still kind of critical? And that is for somebody who's not in a T-word industry at all, or at least not in that kind of T-word industry. I I agree. I guess saying what I'm trying to get at a different way, I think 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it's not going to be as important as it is today, maybe. Oh, like, sure. It, it's trending... Like the, the the idea that you have to be in the in the Bay Area and specifically San Francisco, I think that's 
I think it is still a thing today, but I think it's going to become less of a thing over time. Yeah, but that's also because T-word stuff is going to become everything. Or that, wow, that, uh, can set that up. No, the, stuff is going to become much more prevalent, and many of the high growth um, employment industries will be related to knowledge work and programming and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And there's nothing, there's nothing inherently tying any of that to having to be in the Bay Area. Mostly true. Right. But in, in any case, I, what, what is good today is, just getting different points of view, getting people from different backgrounds and from different regions is a super healthy thing for any industry and particularly one as centrally located to one specific region, which generally attracts very similar types of people mm -hmm. like, like technology or sorry, T word stuff. Bad types of people. <laughs> I, I really like in this New York Times article, uh, they, they put it very charitably. Uh, Amazon said last month that it would divide uh, a planned second headquarters between sites in New York and Virginia after a year-long beauty contest. Mm -hmm. uh, the great lady's not fucking around. Um, I mean, I guess, and also, though, I mean, I, I, I want to try to keep this positive because I, I do think this is, a, is largely a positive story, but it, it, to play devil's advocate a little bit, so you look at where a lot of these... Um, a new workers for Apple are going to be. So the list is Austin, San Diego, Seattle, Culver City, New York, Pittsburgh, and Boulder. It's not exactly super off the beaten path, I would say, particularly in the cases of New York and Austin, which largely, which already have a, a large technology presence. Um, and, well, and and Seattle too. So, but the, like, there's there's no upside for them like setting up shop in Boise or Nantucket or something. Like, I mean, like they they it still has to be kind of a because like that is the thing where New York, um, Southern California, uh, Austin and Portland to a to a to a lesser extent are more knowledge worker centric and 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 tech centric areas, or at least that's where it's growing. So they didn't just pick a place like out, out of nowhere. And I assume local governments know that that's a, that's a growth, uh, like a tax base growth center, and it's in their interest to try to woo those companies, but also they should not try to give away the farm. Mm -hmm. Whether they did or not, I have no idea. But Oh, other Apple stuff. Um, okay, I think that's it for the po Well, that's it for the positive news. We, we'll talk about some neutral stuff. Uh, Amazon Music is now live on... Uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon Echo devices. Meh. I, as someone who's not an Apple Music subscriber, I don't, I don't have a lot to, to add. And I, I haven't. Have you read any of the early impressions about how it no, works? The only um, clarifying point that I think was kind of a, a up in the air for a while is whether or not you could set it as your default music service, where you wouldn't have to invoke uh, like a, a voice command that said play. Uh, reputation by Taylor Swift on through Apple Music because that would have been really annoying. No, you can just basically have it be your default. That's that's cool. The other question that is relevant to someone like me would be: Is it also available on uh, Lady in a Can enabled devices like the Sonos One, or does it specifically have to be an Echo device? 
I do not know that. I know that it it does work on multi-room audio, and that was a question, but I don't know if it works on those weird um, gray area or, or grayish area uh, echo devices. Right. Because I, I don't know if we've talked extensively about this either on the show, but the uh, Lady in a Can integration with Sonos is mostly very good. But there are just these small things like certain actions that you put in routines that aren't supported on anything other than a native Echo device. And it's usually not clear what's supported and not until you just kind of try it. So that's that's the one big frustration I have with using the Lady in a Can on something other than a you know official Amazon product. Yeah. Weird thing I just realized, it's weird that you can't buy an Echo in an Amazon Go. Yeah, they don't have any Amazon hardware, which is very different than that bookstore that we went to. And I, I don't know what the four-star store is like, but at least in that bookstore we went to, you know, lots and lots of Amazon hardware. Yeah, I assume you, there, would, there would have been like an Echo Dot next to the LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Apple Music, whatever. I, I I don't understand who subscribes to Apple Music. Like, it feels like it's just such a product that only succeeds because of Apple's dominant market position and the tie-ins that they have um, by being able to force it as the default. Because, like, anybody who actually likes music uses Spotify. Well, I as someone who's not a very big Spotify fan either, I'd push back a little bit against that too, but... Right, I think like from like it's just but who who uses Apple Music like like every I don't know like I don't know if you ever see it just on social media and stuff like but anytime there's a cool thing about like like Spotify uses does like a whole bunch of thing where like here's your 2018 year in review and they have like really amazing programmatic and AI powered like playlists and stuff of here's new music that you might actually like that you've never listened to before and stuff like that and like in terms of like social sharing of playlists like that's all the people that do that are always on Spotify. And I've just never seen anything like that on Apple Music. And I actually, I didn't mean for this to be a tie-in, but Apple this week killed or is planning to kill the, um, what was it called? A Ping Connect or Apple Music Connect? What's the thing where Bono could say, hey, we're laying down <laughs> beats on a thing? Remember, what is, what is it called? I forget what that was, but I remember that. That that goes back, doesn't that go back to like the iPod days? No, no. So you're, you're you maybe misremembered. They, they had the thing where there was Ping that debuted in iOS six. Remember, like the version where they made the music app really hard to use for like six months until they finally were like, yeah, we're bad at social networks and we're going to kill this. No, they did a thing and then Drake introduced it on on stage, and it was like, oh, here here you can connect better or closer than you ever have before with your uh, music artists and know what they're doing in the studio and all this kind of stuff. And it, it was kind of like Twitter built into Apple Music inside of iTunes, and nobody used it past the first month that was released because it was only usable by the recording artists. So... You know, I, I'm I'm super super amped up on Spotify. It it's it's a really good product. That's probably financially unsustainable, but it's really good. I just don't I don't like I don't like their iOS app. 
it's a, why it's the best of all of them I, I i disagree i just i don't like the way it looks i think it's confusing i don't like the way downloads are managed i just i, I don't like any part about it yeah, that's fair or, i mean it's not i mean it's a, that's a highly personal decision and that that's fair pandora is still absolutely number one when it comes to radio see but to me that's that's the thing and that's the big selling point with pandora for me is having a single app where i've got the best in radio and I've got a really good on-demand experience all in one, that's, you know, I don't, what more could you want than that? Yeah, I dispute the second half of that sentence. Well, what's, what, what don't you like I about just, the on-demand? I really don't like, because it doesn't, one doesn't have a Mac app, and because I'm an old person, that yeah, bothers yes, me. Yeah, but yes, yes, you're a weirdo but, that still uses a computer. <laughs> but also, it's bad just on iOS. I, re- I gave it a try for, Tim sent me an email, it said from Tim Westergren, and he offered me a personalized trial as a valued longtime Pandora One subscriber. And I tried it for three months and I, and I fucking I hated it. I don't know. It just wasn't good. And, I, and I, it also made me feel really bad that RDO became that. And I loved RDO so much, even though it would play the wrong song half the time. But it was so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've made this comment. <laughs> <laughs> on the show that I think I feel like you and I are both guilty of probably looking back on RDO with rose-colored glasses and yeah. Well, because RDO was like the it it was really good. It just yeah, there was that bug where it would play the wrong song, <laughs> and they never fixed or the, it no got it, better. It, it got better in one release, and it happened less frequently, but it still it happened a lot. <laughs> and it was just yeah. it, it like the song it would play would just it, it was completely inexplicable. <laughs> Well, probably was for you because it would always it would default to Sugar Ray or Michael Bublé. Well, see that no, that would have been okay, but <laughs> but it but it didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, can we can we can we round this out with um, something semi related, just in the on the music front? Sure. I, I want to know your feelings on Christmas music. Are you are you a Christmas music guy? If so, like, what do you listen to? When do you start listening to it? I feel like people have thoughts on Christmas music, so I want I want to hear yours. I don't mind it. Like I, I, I dislike the Costcoification of like because Costco will, it's Halloween's not even over with yet, and the store will be full of just like Christmas shit that that you you don't want. So I don't like when the switch flips too early before. Like Mike, uh, Mike and Jason on on Upgrade covered this pretty well, where Jace, I think Jason cited that Thanksgiving is supposed to be the like the retaining wall between holidays where like you keep, you keep all your Christmas stuff after November 26th or whenever, whenever Thanksgiving ends up happening. So I'm fine as long as the cutoff works. And I like a lot of the classic Christmas music. Like I, I, I like, like Mariah Carey's Christmas album has not been killed for me. I, like we we've covered exhaustively my feelings on Michael Bublé and stuff like that, but I I think it's fine. Yeah, I generally because of just being out in the world, I will have enough exper- exposure to it where I'm not gonna come home and put on a Christmas Pandora uh, radio station. But I, I I do not mind it at all. And if like what do you what do you listen to outside of Mariah Carey? Just the the classics. It's everything. Okay. Yeah, like I mean, I, 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 it's all fine. 
Like some of it's better than others. Like you brought up, and I think this is probably what you were getting at, and I have it up here in Spotify because it's so easy to find because there's a Mac app and it's just, it's right up here. So the Mad Men Christmas album, music from and inspired by the hit series on AMC, that's one hell of an album title, um, has, uh, yeah, it has some really good ones. That yeah, that I I think I I sent you that right, and it's, you did. It's, it's a it's a little hit or miss, but they, yeah, yeah it, there are some. It, good unfortunately, ones it has that weird uh, French song that the what was his name? What was the name of his second wife? Oh, um, like I know her actress. Uh, what the name of the actress was it is? Megan? Jessica Paré. Yeah, that sounds right. It has a, a French song that she did in that one really awkward episode, and that I'm not a fan of that. But uh, no, there there are some good songs in this album. But uh, yeah, some of it's good. I it, it it goes either way. Okay, you were you were more positive on Christmas music than I thought you were going to be. No, I, I like because because I like music and I like I, and I like the holidays a lot. Like there's there's a lot of like the life and government society every everything's awful all the time. But the, at least Christmas has slashed the holidays. Um has some upside to it and there there's um like a good visual element like like i just i just really like the way the world looks even if it's an absolutely fake artifice around our society like just everything looks nicer around christmas and there's this illusion that people are happier so i, I i'll take it <laughs> i tried really hard to be positive but it's 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 uh not coming up so yeah and, and therefore the music goes along with that got it um, I, I, I will, is it the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Who's the one that has, uh, who did the song Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays? Hey, it was, it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was really not helpful. Uh, it, it is asterisk NSYNC. So. Got it. I hate that song. Really? I like that so one. So much. Because pick, pick a lane. Either, <laughs> either be super Christian about it or be very, like, I'm. I hate it. And also in the music video, uh, which I have no idea why YouTube served it up to me, has Gary Coleman in it. And that's weird. Yeah, I, I hate that song. Anyway. Uh, was there any other Apple stuff that was important? Um, uh, a, ser- uh, a service revenue company is going to, service is going to service. They're trying to re, it sounds like they're probably close to relaunching or rebranding the texture subscription uh, newspaper magazine app that they bought uh, about a year ago, uh, and maybe rolling that into Apple News. So this uh, was a Bloomberg um, scoop, but yeah, I th- that that's a wait to be see uh, or a wait and see type thing. But mm-hmm. eh. again, this that's probably to be another five to ten dollars a month out of everybody, and uh, something something Charlie Brown. I think that's it for Apple. Oh, they're they're shipping iPads to everybody. Bent, uh, everybody bent, and they and they apparently don't care. <laughs> I really really like that. Where um, Apple says it's a side effect of the device's manufacturing process and shouldn't worsen over time or negatively affect the iPad performance. Apple does not consider your iPad being dent out of the uh, dented out of the bent out of the box to be a defect. Hmm. Seems like the wrong response. It, yeah, that's really weird. Like, I know there are fault tolerances and stuff in manufacturing, but that seems not not great. Yeah. yeah don't, don't don't look at yours. Because it's probably one of those things where you can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Um, can I, can I, just one other quick random Apple thing. Sure. Um, so I, I basically now have True Tone on all of my Apple devices. So I've I kind of played around with it a little bit recently. It's it's really bad. It like it, it like like egregiously bad. Like not not as bad as Night Shift because nothing could be worse than that. But like only marginally better. Like it just it just it's just bad. Like I I I know it's a very personal thing and it's just kind of just whatever your preference is, but I guess with the le- the way that I see color and the way that I you know <laughs> pick up uh like color temperature from screens, I just I don't get how I don't get how people like that. So I've I've turned it off on every one of my devices that have it and I I'm much happier for it is actually we're gonna pivot for a second because i I forgot that you got a new work laptop Mm -hmm. does that have true tone it does yeah yeah this this might be like the photography like color accuracy uh insane person inside of me that would be really 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 opposed to that on a mac screen where if just all of a sudden it was your mac was like oh it's easier on your eyes we're gonna make everything look really yellow like that would lead to really bad things if you're if you're working in lightroom off of that but like just and for someone like me who doesn't you know like i don't need my excel spreadsheets to be color correct or anything like that but i don't want all my whites to look super yellow it's just it's just odd it just it like maybe I guess maybe I'm used to screens that that you know in Apple's parlance look wrong, but well, no, they look right. But that I I I think that's the weird like debate is that a color accurate screen like because there was this whole oh, this is going a lot of different places like three years ago like there was this whole like bullshit color science thing where like there was some dumb study that was like oh if you look at blue blue at night uh, blue light is going to cause you to sleep terribly. And actually, maybe that actually is true since I can't manage to fall asleep before 3 a.m. anymore. But like uh, that whole thing came out. And then there was this um, Mac app called like F.Lux. And that was a thing where it like managed the color temperature of your Mac screen like at certain times of the day. And then, yeah, Apple in like iOS 10 or something introduced night shift and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I've left True Tone on, I think, on both my iPad and my iPhone, but because it seems like it's not that dramatic, uh, like I don't ever get to a time of the day where it seems super yellow, whereas Night Shift, it absolutely is, is too intolerably yellow. But yeah, but on a Mac screen, that seems to not be worthwhile. And I think the whole like reason why it's there, like, I mean, that's, that seems like it's probably junk science. I don't. I don't know. Do you find that since you've turned it off, you're sleeping worse? <laughs> no. Please, please give me tips. No. Um, <laughs> and like the other part about True Tone too is even as someone now who uses a Mac, who uses an iPad, and who uses an iPhone, all of which have it. You know, if, if I have True Tone enabled on all three of those devices, the other big problem is I'm still looking at screens all day long that don't have it. And it's particularly apparent with my Mac, which whenever I'm in the office, I always have connected to an external display, which doesn't have True Tone. So to have one True Tone screen literally right next to a non-True Tone screen, it's just a really, really bad experience. And 
I guess there are now some external displays, including that LG 5K display that can't be within 18 feet of a wireless router. Thank you. I was going to bring that up. Um, I guess that supports True Tone somehow over the. I guess that's a that's a Thunderbolt connection. I think. Well, I mean, but... any any monitor can because like you can, you can go change stuff. Like if you go to the Displays Preferences panel inside of System Preferences on OS 10, you can you can make any old screen, even like some 17 inch Dell monitor from like 1998. Like you can tell it whatever color profile you want it to be. But I thought the whole point of True Tone was sort of that could detect the ambient light in the room and help manage it. But either way, like it's it's always less than ideal. And again, probably completely ineffectual. Right. So, yeah, I mean that that's that's another big area for me that that it breaks down. And even though just looking at those three devices, like if if you hold a new Mac laptop next to an iPad and then next to an iPhone. Oh yeah. They all do it differently. <laughs> yeah. They all like the, like to me, I think true tone probably is the least bad on the iPad. And then it's a little bit worse on the Mac. And then it's just egregiously bad on the iPhone. Like, cause the, the OLED screens on the iPhone are already a little bit on the warm side. Oh, and, maybe oh, maybe that's part of it. And know? then when you, yeah, I mean, if you, if you compare an OLED iPhone to a like Liquid Retina or whatever the hell they're <laughs> calling their LCD screens now, um, it, it's a it's a pretty big difference. Like the special lady friend still has a eight plus, and her her screen is a lot less warm than mine is. And I, I think that's I think that's just generally my preference. I like cooler color temperatures uh, i i th- actually i th- i think you know i mean because i think i think we've talked about this where uh, like you are much more of a soft white person in terms of the hue lights and the led lights and that kind of stuff right but it is to an extreme on the phones and, th- and that is probably one thing where yeah i have an iphone 8 still and true tone is more tolerable on that and also i have an old ipad pro first gen or maybe those screens are less, even though they're less warm to begin with, maybe True Tone is less dramatic on it than modern day devices. Yeah, like I think I think this the special lady friend has True Tone turned on on her eight plus and the iPhone ten and now the iPhone ten S Max look warmer to me with True Tone off than the <laughs> iPhone eight plus does with true tone on like i think that the the oled screens are just really warm yeah well uh you can look at it off axis by 30 degrees and it'll turn and it looks super blue yeah so just hold your phone that way and then it'll look like boomer the indiana pacers mascot (laughs) um yeah okay yeah i think that's it for apple stuff uh do you want to do you want to let's okay so what's the, do you want to do some type of year-end stuff even though we have no idea what that is yeah, i feel like we, we've sometimes prepared stuff in the past for this mm-hmm. if we try to do something similar for 2018 i don't even oh, know we, where we, we would start okay so well i'm gonna think of stuff while we talk about the raiders then <laughs> so yeah every, everything's well initially you've been to vegas recently right uh, i have yeah ish yeah so what what is the deal with because there's going to be a lot of Bay Area sports team movement. So the Raiders are leaving 
Oakland at the end of next season. Is that right? The which team are you talking about? The Raiders. They will. So they're not going to be moving. Uh, it's not next season, but then the the season after that. Got it. Okay. So yeah, so they're, they're uh, leaving to Vegas to go be near the Golden Knights. Yes. And they're getting a fancy new stadium and all that kind of stuff. But apparently there were a bunch of tax incentives and stuff to keep or to either. Were the Raiders always in Oakland? Uh, they were in Oakland and then they were in Los Angeles and then they came back to Oakland. Got it. So I assume apparently they got an HQ2 style deal where there, there were some bonds given or something. Something happened to renovate a stadium or something. And apparently the city of Oakland is suing the Raiders for uh, bonds and stuff that they're still paying off that they had to invest in order to um, renovate the stadium and all that kind of stuff. So I, it seems like a weird situation. And also because I'm not somebody who follows sports that closely, it's just weird that teams move this frequently, or maybe we've just had like a weird five years where the Indianapolis chargers, is that a thing? No, I, I, on, I swear to God, I'm not, I'm not joking or I'm not making stuff up or pretending not to know what city were the chargers from. They were San Diego and now they're LA. Oh, so San Diego doesn't have a football team anymore. Correct. Oh, that's rough. Huh. Okay. Didn't. Hmm. Did the Midwest lose a football team? Yes. The Who Saint, did they lose? The St. Louis Rams moved to LA. Yeah. Oh, that was a thing. So yeah, LA had zero teams and now has two for some reason. Correct. That's a thing. Okay. Yeah. That's that's. So what's really? Why is this happening? Well, well, it, it mostly around Bill, Bill Simmons. Me. Mostly around the funding of stadiums. <laughs> okay. Now you're really into Bill Simmons. Me. Um, no, I mean, it really comes down to a belief as to whether stadiums should be privately or publicly funded. Um, I mean, in, in the case of the, the Rams were a little unique in that, um, I'm trying to remember who their, their owner is something cronky. He, he's privately funding this new stadium, which the chargers and the Rams are going to share in LA. So it wasn't really a question of not getting public funding in St. Louis. It was more there was this opportunity in LA and you know this stadium is going to be used for multiple Super Bowls and the the 2028 LA Summer Olympics. There's it's just it's a whole it's going to be a whole investment for him. So it just it kind of financially made sense for him to do it. Um but in a lot of cases like with Oakland you know, the Raiders ownership group, they really wanted Oakland to publicly fund a new stadium. And that, you know, that just never really got anywhere. Um, and that's, that's been the case with, with most of these moves. What's really weird about the Oakland case though, is normally when teams move, they just do it. Like there's no, there's no like we're going to move in three years kind of thing. It's literally like like with both the the Rams and the Chargers, it was just like within a matter of days, it was just like, yep, yeah, we're moving, and then they're just they're gone, and so they're they're both just playing in temporary stadiums now while this new stadium is being built. 
And like the Warriors, you know, they they kind of gave an advance heads up they were moving, but that's that's a little different because they're still staying in the same geographical area. But like the situation with the Raiders is bizarre. I mean, it, it's like breaking up with somebody, but then still being with them for. I was gonna make a joke where it's, it's yeah, like it's like we're we're oh wait we're breaking up, but our lease doesn't end for another seven months or something. Where we're still gonna live with each other. And yeah, this is awkward and it, as fuck. It always struck me as weird where. Like, my first reaction when this was first announced a couple of years ago was, there's no way this is going to work. Like, Oakland's just not going to let them squat in the Coliseum for the next few years while they wait for their new stadium to be built. And it, But it kind of, it didn't really become a thing, and I was, like, really surprised. And so when this lawsuit came down, I thought, like, yeah, like, of course something like this was going to happen. There's, like, there's no way that Oakland's just going to stand by and be like, yeah, okay, you can continue to be here knowing that you're going to leave in a couple of years. Yeah, that seems fairly crazy. But yeah, so that's why the reason I was bringing it up is that, yeah, like there's going to be like this whole situation is going to kind of repeat sort of, or it's kind of already happening with the, the warriors moving across, across the bay over to the chase arena, the chase center, center mm-hmm. something over in, in mission bay, which is now going to have the worst traffic of everything all the time. Yeah, like that's that's just weird that things move so frequently. Yeah, there's definitely I mean it definitely there's always something kind of in motion, but there's been an uptick the last handful of years. Yeah. Uh all right. So let's let's we're not going to do it like this is this isn't like the upgrades or anything like that. But like let's um yeah, uh, like what's uh, what 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 were you excited about? What what happened in 2018? What's what's what happened? Um, well, I mean, are we are we focusing on the T word stuff? Are we talking about in general? Anything, um, like not personal life stuff, but like okay. like what? Or I mean, you're welcome to share if you want to. But like there, yeah. Well, what 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 cool new stuff did you work its way into your life and is stuck? What what what? Th- yeah, what happened in the past year? I think, well, I, I'll start with T-word stuff. I think a big thing, I don't know, 2018 obviously wasn't the start of this, but maybe it was where it really just became cemented in the way that I watch video, and that's just streaming services now, where, you know, like an idiot sometimes, like, if I want the absolute best quality, that kind of new Star Wars movie, I'll go out and buy the 4K disc. But by and large, I'm streaming everything, and... Most of these services now have some kind of downloading functionality, so you can even stream, or not really stream, obviously, but watch these same videos on your devices even when you're offline, like on a plane, as an example. The streaming services in general are just really freaking good now, and it's it's such a change to have access to all this content on demand and compare that to, like, actually, this time of year makes me think about it sometimes because... Like, my sister and I were always really into all the holiday specials that would come on, like, you know, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, like, Frosty and all that. And it would be, like, you know, appointment television where, like, the that stuff came on once a year at a specific time on a specific network. And if you missed it, you missed it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, you know, just to basically have anything you want to watch on demand now is really cool. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely true. And and in, in in my experience, like I almost never use my TiVo anymore. Like, there's very very little that I want to watch that's not 
on HBO now or Netflix. And also like, that's one of the big things that this isn't really like a personal decision. This is more of like a um, trend in content creation. Pretty much everything I want to watch other than better call Saul is either a Netflix original Amazon prime or HBO. It's like, there's just not really anything other than maybe live sporting events that happens on a service where I need to flip to HDMI too. So that's weird. And and I, I think I've been somebody who's pessimistic about cord cutting and that kind of stuff where like that, that just seems like that happened a lot faster than I or anybody else thought it would. And I guess I didn't count on the fact that just companies would be so aggressive in being the ones that make the content. So therefore it's not just a technology change. It's actually a, just where is the stuff that you want to watch change? Um, I think with non-T-word stuff, although I guess T-word stuff is is related to this, is just the level of engagement there is now with the news and with politics. I mean, part of this is a, is a personal thing, but I, I do also think it's it's something that a lot of people are experiencing, which is just being a lot more aware and plugged in with what's happening. I mean, maybe sometimes to a fault, but, you know, we've discussed this before, but having gone through some years of, of complacency, it's, it's good to see people re-engaged and energized to go out and make a difference. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's on super, super crappy terms of kind of what spurred that level of engagement, and I think I think it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways where um, the progressive wing of things where sometimes like it just will move on from shiny object to shiny object with like different controversies in, in, in what they're um, motivated against or, or, or what the cause of the day is. But yeah, I, I, I think for the most part, and this, and this, is, this was borne out in the um, turnout rate for the midterm elections, like it's just... Yeah, people are much more engaged because um like what's that stupid uh, thing people talk about of how, like of like the the protest vote of the people in the Midwest who voted for Trump the their thing was they just wanted to throw a grenade in the system and see what happens just cuz they felt they weren't being listened to kind of in a way that actually sort of happened I, I like I dispute a lot of it in terms of whether or not that's actually what galvanized his support versus just hate bigotry and ignorance spoiler it's it's actually those things but like it yeah like it it definitely led to a level of engagement and i would say civic mindedness sort of i think still a lot of it is kind of fairly shallow and i think a lot of that is because even though the fourth estate, like our, our journalistic entities are doing amazing work and trying to hold like a whole truth to power and all that kind of stuff. It's just that the news cycle is working at just such an absolutely bonkers pace that it, you, it's difficult for anything to stick. So a lot of the engagement has to be fairly shallow unless that's like your thing. Like unless your issue is, like I'm somebody who's super engaged and active in healthcare or um, immigration 
stuff or civil liberties protection stuff like that like unless that's your thing i think it's really hard for somebody to be engaged on everything but i like yeah like i I think you're like we're like during the obama years like and stuff like everyone's like oh yeah it's 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 everything everything's fine and therefore i think a lot of people tuned out to what government is and is doing and that that certainly is not the case today Mm mm-hmm uh yeah so while i'm thinking of other stuff i'm gonna send you a link and and i don't i don't ever, i don't use twitter anymore but this is something i retweeted earlier today i know you this probably doesn't cross into something that you listen to uh but there's somebody named alex uh named alex cox who does the dubai friday show with merlin and a few others and she uh sometimes she filled in on an upgrade uh, episode of upgrade recently too uh, where there was the episode about old Max with uh, Stephen Hacken and stuff like that. Was she? What didn't? Wasn't she at the live? The relay meetup. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she's she's super cool, and um, yeah. So she uh, this this drives was something that I really feel, and I think this is um, very accurate for this year. And I don't know how long daily has been going on for, but I think it's probably like a year and a half now. But I think that's that was really cemented this year. But uh, she put a tweet out. It said, uh, I have a secret. I fucking love podcasts. And I think they're the most important medium of the 21st century this far. Thank you for your time. And I really, really, really agree with that. And I know, and again, as somebody recording a podcast, and somebody who listens to a lot of them, and somebody who understands that probably only 10% of America has ever thought of, let alone listen to a podcast, I think they're really fucking important. And and I and I derive a ton of joy and value out of them. And I think in a world of just media that is absolute shit a lot of times, and also like I mean, because you've put, like I think this has been an, an online offline joke that we have where whenever there's like a sporting event or some type of news event, and TV networks do that weird thing where they'll like split the screen between like fucking weird advertising in between whenever they think like they can break away from coverage of something mm-hmm. like the media landscape is just so weird and television because of cord cutting and streaming services and just like the fractured advertising environment. Like it's just so last common denominator, like where they're showing a fucking Duracell ad or a T-Mobile ad in the middle of the world series in between like in like when you're watching the NBA finals and every three minutes there's a youtube tv ad like it's just like the like television is such garbage these days podcasts are pretty great i don't know like i I don't think that's explicitly a nerd thing i think that will continue to become more of a thing and i'm really happy that 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 more people are acknowledging that and then more people are creating cool stuff and for the most part podcasts as a thing and an ecosystem have not been fucked with yet because i assume like like marco's always talking about this like where big money is coming for podcasting and eventually it's probably going to ruin it but as of now even though podcasting is getting bigger and better it's still pretty great yeah i that's a good call out podcasts i still think have a long way to go before they'd be considered to be a truly mainstream thing, but they're getting there and they're just, they're really important. I, I think a lot of important content has come from podcasts. I mean, I, I obviously can't say 
enough good things about podcasts. They're by far and away the medium that I am in, in engaged with the most day in and day out. So definitely speaking personally, I I agree with Alex's sentiment here, which is that I don't I don't know what I what I do without podcasts now. And I think it works for everybody. Like like you like sports way more than I do. But therefore, like there's a whole ton of stuff that's doesn't have to have insanely broad appeal and can be super niche. Like so you can listen to what's what's the video game one that you listen to? The Giant Bombcast. Like so that can coexist with the Daily and Bill Simmons and Fresh Air. Like these can be stuff that like that doesn't need to appeal to a hundred million people at a time, but can have and develop a relationship with the audience that makes them worthwhile for both the creator and the listener. And I think that's a thing in media that just hasn't been the case. The other really great thing too is like the the special lady friend, she's not a big podcast listener, but one of the things that we do enjoy are listening to like series of podcasts like Serial as an example together like when we're on a long car trip it's like we have one of those coming up next week and so even though she's not like regularly listening to podcasts like we're both really looking forward to listening to the latest episode of serial so it's 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 like a medium that you can kind of hop in and out of yeah like and and that goes back to like the thing we're talking about with with streaming services where like it used to be where like oh yeah hey there's the mariah carey christmas special on nbc uh happening this the uh, 22nd at eight o'clock and if you because tivo didn't exist back then like that's the only time you can watch or do whatever and with on-demand listening and that kind of stuff with podcasts like it it just exists in your ears when when you need it to and when you want it to and that's it yeah exactly that's great yeah so podcasts are pretty great mm-hmm. especially this one but yeah i mean but yeah it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty good um yeah, I just yeah the the. I'll, let me throw another one out there and, and just put you on the spot. What's the what's the biggest political controversy that has gone by in the past year that nobody remembers? Oh my god! Hey, Brett Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, it's it's probably it's got to be it's got to be Kavanaugh. You're probably you're right. I'm I am constantly amazed. And this, and I, I bring this up only because today there was some uh, like uh, oversight committee ruling or something that said basically, oh, we we wanted to investigate these things, but now we can only uh, investigate people before they're actually on the court. Yeah, that 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 whole thing that occupied the entirety of the country's attention for like eight days, nobody remembers at all. Nobody knows who who uh, who Squee is or any of any of that shameful uh, period of, of our of our history so yeah hmm. yeah uh what what new well usually so what what new stuff in your life let's let's talk about let's bring about your t-word stuff and like super consumerist things like smart home stuff any anything that you've bought in the past year anything that has like really stuck and been something that you you greatly appreciate i mean i really really like the Ar- the august smart lock like i i love it it has its quirks it you know the smart unlock thing actually <laughs> lately like it was really good at first 
kind of got bad. It's been really good lately. I, I I love the heck out of our smart lock. Um, I really like our Nest thermostat. That's that's been great. Just having a whole kind of ecosystem of smart home stuff has been really nice, and finding ways to have them work together. Always having the peace of mind, like when we're away from the house, that I always have visibility into whether I set my alarm system and whether the front door is locked and whether the lights are off. Like all of that stuff is is great. It's like having everything in your home connected to the internet. That's that's the way to go. Uh, in two years, when the Russians come, we're going to be regretting that <laughs> so much. Um, and then I guess the the other thing for me, not a smart home thing, but. I mean the 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 Tesla has been awesome. Like obviously <laughs> had its challenges when I first got it, but it's a really freaking cool car. And I'm I'm not a car person. I've never been a car person, but it's so much fun to drive and the, you know, continuous software updates that it gets are just great. And like, you know, we, again, we've got this long car trip coming up next week and I'm not someone who generally likes long car drives, but like, I'm actually super looking forward to taking the car. Um, it's, you know, it's, you know, like the August smart lock, it's not flawless, but I really like it a lot. You're looking forward to taking the car and seeing the wrong album art when you're listening to a podcast. That's not one of my favorite parts. <laughs> that whole system is <laughs> so strange. I think it's funny just because like, cause like, like I listen to various podcasts, going back to the other thing of people who have and really enjoy their Tesla cars. But that's the one thing where it's like, everybody will complain about that. And for stupid Elon Musk, who's, who's trying to drill holes through the city of Los Angeles, can't fucking like send one guy to write the code for to fix. It's very amusing. Well, that and just the other way that it it handles audio is so strange where like this, even my Ford Edge worked this way, where when one of the, the doors opened, the, the music automatically paused or any, any audio you listen to automatically paused. In the Tesla, what it does is just lower the volume dramatically, and the, but the audio doesn't automatically stop until you actually get out of the car. Which is, I guess is fine if you're listening to music, but if you're listening to a podcast, that's just not, that's not good because then whatever time it takes for you to, you know, in between opening your door and actually leaving the car, you're basically missing that chunk of the podcast. And there's no setting to change that behavior at all. So you have to either just deal with that or you have to remember to like manually pause your audio and then open the door. But then the problem with that is then it doesn't automatically resume when you get back in the car. That's kind of a mess. But all that notwithstanding, I still really like the Model 3. Yeah, it seems less than ideal, but that that's that's pretty good. Yeah, the Model 3, it's it it, it you see them literally everywhere. You really do. That's that's a that's another I, and that's another uh, going back to your Apple thing of like uh, does every tech company have to be located here? Like I th- I assume it's probably a bubble thing, but yeah, they're literally everywhere. Yeah, that's that's another that's another really interesting story that I I don't think's gotten a ton of attention. Where you know they were obviously 
kind of famously really, really slow in initially rolling out the Model 3. Um, but then all of a sudden, just out of... At, well, to, to the layman, we, we would kind of seem out of nowhere. These things just started flooding out, including mine. But, you know, it, it obviously was closely related to the way that the federal tax credit gets phased out. And, you know, they, did, they didn't do anything illegal or even close to illegal, but it's certainly clear that they managed inventory to maximize their that tax credit, which is totally in their right. But I'm, I mean, with, with our news cycle, maybe it's not surprising something like that wouldn't get some attention, but, um, and that's clearly what happened. You don't listen to ATP, do you? Uh, no. Do you follow Marco on Twitter? No. So did you hear at all about his Tesla thing? I've heard him complain about the the podcast album art before, but outside of that, no. So, and actually, this might be, this is only about 20 minutes, so you, you probably should go back and listen to a couple episodes ago. In the last um, 20 minutes or so, he goes off on a thing where I think I have a link to the tweet, which I do put it in the thing so they offered him a weird thing where it was probably another thing where they're trying to maximize on deliveries before uh fiscal year end and to max or in and before the expiration of the tax credit where they offered to and probably it's not the right term pull forward his lease like uh, offer him a, an ability to renew his lease and get into a different car like six months before he was actually scheduled to do so and he got into another uh, Model S, just like one generation newer and a bunch of other stuff. But they didn't actually cancel his old lease. So they were charging him for two cars for like four months. And um, he he was very, uh, understandably, very displeased. And it's a very amusing story. Um, and it, it just, it, it and he uh, just kind of takes tesla to task for um just how shittily it's run from an operational standpoint uh front like because his new car has like a weird defect in the screen and a whole bunch of other stuff where he received a a, a brand new car ninety thousand dollar car that was broken in like three different ways on top of them charging him double for a car where he can't like choose to not pay for it because like you're not going to destroy your credit over like a uh screw up that you're auto manufacturer did so and it's not like it's being charged to your credit card so you can't dispute it that way either <laughs> and the thing is and with, with and the weird thing about a credit card chargebacks just in uh like pro tip for anybody like the merchant will often just be like okay you charge us back we're just never going to deal with you ever again oh yeah no i've i've had so, so do, do uh, be really really careful with credit card chargebacks I've, I've had I've had one vendor I I won't get into who they are but I I've had that happen to me and I'm like oh all right well I'm no longer doing business with you ooh I'm you should send in the thing yeah, I'm very we, curious we, as to what we, that means we, we talk about it offline it's not like some mission critical service or anything so hmm interesting yeah so that that, that was funny but yeah yeah Model Threes they seem like a pretty solid product from a company run by by a, by a madman. And not in a good way, not 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 in the Batman style way, but in kind of the uh, never mind, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else. Like, so yeah, August Smart Lock is pretty great. Um, 
two like i guess two themes of this year for me or like things that are pretty great like that did did pan out and did not pan out um i would say that voice assistants even though there's been so much hubbub about it and amazon is and google for that matter are trying so hard to discount and get voice assistant hardware in everybody's home i'm not really sure that's getting any better or further than ever, than it ever has like it still seems like even though you get the the newsletter every friday that uh alexa is getting smarter um i'm not sure that thing is really changing i still think it's kind of like using ms dos sort of where things have to be phrased in a very specific way and you kind of like even even though the echo products are very um responsive and, and do more things all the time like if it's not phrased in a certain way or if i don't say bedroom lights instead of like one like a lot of it's just still not that great so even though smart home stuff is getting better and internet connected stuff is getting better all the time i think that's a trend that people maybe are over hyping and is not actually a thing yet i i 100 percent agree as much as I use the lady in a can and really enjoy it, I would also be the first to admit that in a lot of ways, it's just not very good. The The fact that you almost have to learn a new language to use it. Yep. Is just, that's, that's just not going to work. And like for me, and I, I don't know what it is about my setup, but, and I, I really thought it was going to change like with this latest generation of Apple watch. But like for me, Siri, especially on the watch, continues to get worse. Like I, literally 90% of the time, if I ever ask her to do anything and I try to do so from my watch, I get that like, I'll tap you when I'm ready thing. Well, you be patient. <laughs> and it's just, it just makes it so that like, I just literally never want to use Siri because it's just so unreliable which at least for all of the lady in a can's faults at least it's a fairly reliable service yeah that's that's the thing at least you know because yeah siri and, and this is the weird thing where i think i i probably misjudged it too where i thought like when, when ios 12 came out and people were talking about shortcuts and siri shortcuts i was like oh apple solved the problem like they're they've basically offloaded all the making a smart stuff to the end user and therefore like siri doesn't really have to get better and it probably won't because apple wasn't really equipped to make it better and that's kind of true but it also just siri is, has not progressed at all as a result and yeah and i've tried a couple of times the raise to speak thing and it's, it's 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 not good it's not even like the tap to think like the the tap to, uh, the i'll tap you when i'm ready thing it's the you raise you raise your wrist and it just doesn't do anything one out of three times the the race to wake thing is is so bad it it turns itself on when i don't want it to and then when i want it to it almost never turns on well that's the thing where somebody was bringing up and they said they had like a hundred percent success rate with it and i was like what and then they like i think this was like a, a relay show and then they clarified is like oh no what i mean is that um i've never had it think i was speaking to it when i wasn't i'm like what that's that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard like no it just it it doesn't work and it's just series is super not good and that's the like and that's the weird thing where i guess maybe amazon gets to get graded on a curve or like gets like grade inflation because at least it's fast and it's not cutesy when it fails 
So therefore, the fact that you're speaking to it like it's MS-DOS or you're doing like AppleScript, like that's 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 fine because the alternative is so bad. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is that at least with the lady in a can, technically, it's a very good service. Functionally, it's so-so. But Siri is bad both technically and functionally. Kind of like, but the problem is like that's the thing. I don't know if like I I don't use it that often, but like, but a lot of people rely on Siri dictation. And the thing is like the technology in terms of how well the product hears you and can it transcribe what you meant is is pretty damn good. It's all the smarts and all the other stuff that they put around it that's so bad. And the fact that Apple thinks they have the right to give it a personality when it's really not good, and that is is more of a hindrance than a benefit. Like your product needs to be fucking amazing if it's gonna start sassing you and, and telling you don't overcook that egg and stuff like that. I kind of I, I kind of separate the dictation stuff from the rest of Siri. I mean, I, I guess I I get that it's all the similar back end, but I agree that the dictation stuff works well, but basically everything else doesn't yeah on twitter a really good follow is uh cable sasser which uh, um he's one of the co-founders of panic because one not only is he good for um various reasons like he he will try out like random weird snack foods and stuff like that and you'll know what the good stuff is but he'll also post just things of when like apple stuff is is weird and it's it i forget i don't i don't have it saved in my favorites but it's one thing where he asked the same question three different times the first time it said can't do it, and the other two times it gave him totally different answers, and none of the three tries were actually right. Like it's it's just comically bad. Yeah, Siri continues just to be a mess. Yeah. Uh gonna make a bold prediction for twenty nineteen. Not getting any better. <laughs> um I think the the Donald Trump will be impeached before Siri gets good. And I don't think he's gonna get impeached. Sounds about right. All right. And then the last thing I would say, I don't know, like a, a trend from 2018 or thing that I maybe I, I realized or changed a little bit on was, um, you know, I'm, I'm placing a higher value on travel than I have in, in previous periods of my life. And I think a lot of that has been spurred by a, a, a late 2017 purchase of something that I'm still very, very happy with, which is the Sony A7R three camera. Um, yeah, travel travel's fun. There's a lot of stuff to do outside of California. People should give it a try. I I agree. I also discovered travel later in life, maybe a, a few years before you, but not by much. I didn't really travel much when I was a kid or even like in college, but in the last five to seven years have done a lot more traveling. And yeah, I agree. It's It's the best. And I'm going to clarify because I'm still a very cheap person about most things. You can travel cheaply. And like, it goes like for me, like I, I don't need to stay in exceptionally nice places because the whole point of going somewhere else is to be somewhere else. Like if I was just going to read a book in a hotel room in a different place, like I, I could do that here. That's, that's not important, but like you can still travel cheaply and go see interesting places and still have fun. And the internet makes that super, super easy. Yeah, you you totally can. Everything from flights to hotels to activities, they're almost everywhere you go is going to be a huge range of of options, including ones that are very affordable. Yeah. So if there's one thing people should do next year is 
find something in your life, whether, I don't know, like whether it be writing or photography or something that makes you want to go somewhere else. And in travel, I, I would say travel new places because even like the traveling that I did when I was younger were typically to the same places over and over again. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've broken out of that comfort zone and yeah, pretty much every year for the last, you know, handful of years have, have tr- made an effort to go and you go to at least a couple of new places and like you never, you never regret that. You never really regret going to a new place. I mean, maybe there's like things you <laughs> don't care for or have bad experiences with, but like all in all, seeing a new place is a good thing. So I, I, I highly recommend traveling to different places. Yeah. So what do you have? Do you have like something that's next on your list? Well, actually, uh, inversely, or actually, I'm going to scale back everything I just said. Uh, because this was a, this ended up actually being a big travel year, uh, like by a mile. Like, I mean, I, I'm probably going to try to see many new places that are on the West Coast that are not very far away. Hmm, okay. It's a whole ton of stuff in, in uh, Oregon and California I haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but actually, uh, so rounding this out, or actually putting a bow on it, you actually just in DC, what'd you see that wasn't uh, the Lakers losing? We Man, we, we saw everything. We made the most of the few days that we had there we were up early staying up late um yeah i mean we saw the capitol building you know went in the house of representatives which was really neat we went to a couple of the smithsonian's we went to the american history and the air and space museums went to ford's theater which was really really interesting i've i've always been fascinated by lincoln so that that was a really neat thing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Arlington, which was, you know, it's kind of hard hard to describe being there. And especially the day that we were there, there's this program called Reads Across America, which is uh, an organization that every holiday season puts wreaths on the uh, grave markers of veterans across the country. And so obviously Arlington is kind of a whole unique area and so we were there the morning that they were in arlington so we helped participate in that um which was just great to be a part of um you just you know walking around like dc is interesting where when you walk uh up the mall it's like you turn to your left and there's the treasury department and there's the uh, attorney general's office there's the irs like it's just it's everything is just right there mm-hmm. um which is which is kind of interesting um we went to you know all the memorials we went to lincoln we went to jefferson we went to vietnam korea world war ii um yeah i mean we we definitely made made the most of what we what we could in the few days we were there did you have a chance to go to the portrait gallery we did not we went to the um, National Archives, saw the Constitution. Ooh. Um, <laughs> did, it, did it fit in your pocket? <laughs> did not. No, it's actually on a, a fairly large piece of parchment. Oh, weird. They should digitize that. <laughs> Maybe it's in iBooks. Um, and uh, rent a car or just Uber every, or Sorry, Lyft everywhere? We just uh, lifted uh, to and from where we were staying. 
And then a couple of other select times, I mean, it was pouring down rain the entire time we were there. <laughs> so, like, with getting to Arlington, we, we took a lift there. Um, but, no, we, we walked around most of the time. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a very walkable and accessible city. Like, everything is super close to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good public transit, too. Um, which is, which is like one of the big things that like stood out, which is like, you know, we walked the first day we were there, we walked from the white house to the Capitol building, which is, you know, it's like a 40 minute walk. So it's, it's something, but then it's like the Supreme court is like literally across the street from the Capitol building, which (laughs) which I, I didn't really realize, I guess. And I don't know, just uh, to me that stood out as just being like the best example of just how it's crazy that everything that we kind of think about and talk about every day is just so close to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's also and there's just, a, there's a, go ahead. I just, I, it's just, it's weird just to think of something like, like we saw the um, FCC's office. It's just like, it's just, <laughs> it's just strange to like think of these entities as just like, Oh yeah, there's the building that they're in. You're like That's where the killing net neutrality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's right there. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean, and, and the yeah the the Capitol build or the Capitol building cool like and also yeah like it's weird that everything's so close by and like and there's even a tunnel uh, underground that goes between the Library of Congress and the and the Capitol building. We did that, and it's actually it's it's highly convenient because then you don't mm-hmm. go through security again. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, RBG is never there to do her uh, workout class, but it's okay. <laughs> they're always they're always busy. They're all trying to. Nope, not gonna make a out joke. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we had a had a, had a good time. Um, all right. Do you want to do chef specials? I think I think we should do that. Yeah. All right. What you got? Uh, I I need a minute to gather mine. You you do yours first. Oh, I always make I always have you do it first. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, I actually have one this week. I have two of them. Let me, oh, shit, but the thing ate my outline. All right, let me pull it up on Amazon. Okay, putting in the thing. So I have two. So the first one is this, which goes hand in hand with something else. So let me send you a couple of pictures. Okay. So my pick is the Aukey, A-U-K-E-Y, seven port USB 3 uh, hub, which you can use for a computer, obviously. So it has seven ports on it three of which are only for charging and four of which are for uh, computer peripherals and stuff like that. It's pretty good. Um, so I like it that it's small. And because I just got a brand new desk, it is it blends in perfectly and allowed me to add seven USB ports that are super conveniently accessible that are completely out of the way when I don't need them. So I I, I really like it. It's pretty good because I don't want to always have like a mess of cables just spilling onto the desk off of my iMac. And uh, the ability to discharge something that's not wireless charging capable is 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 pretty great. So yeah, this is solid. Aki is apparently like, like Anchor's biggest competitor. And people usually think of Anchor as being like the leading knockoff brand. So I guess it's the knockoff brand of the knockoff brand, but it's still pretty good. So I have two thoughts with this picture that you sent mm-hmm. one is that it is a very very nice desk i like that a lot yeah um the second is the 
Google Hub is shockingly, surprisingly prominent here. I'm surprised that that's that's your other screen on this desk. You know what? Like, I don't actually use it for anything. It's just kind of a cool picture frame. So I'm thinking of like linking it, uh, linking it to Google Photos because right now, like, that's the one thing where Amazon is weird. Where like I like the Echo Spot, like the circular one, and I know like Jason on Upgrade has talked about the Echo Show being kind of a dud. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. It's just like a it's it's an inconspicuous thing for the most part. Like it just it hangs out next to my Corgi snow globe. And it just it's just a digital picture frame. And you can tell it kind of what content you want it to display. So I just have it set to just like classic art right now. But if you allow it, it will like pull from your Google Photos archive. So I could easily just have it cycle through photos. I don't know. It's it just it it takes up space and it's it's pretty good. Yeah, so it just hangs out there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh but yeah, USB hubs, pretty solid. Um because, yeah, I had a different one from a brand called Fotiv, but when I was trying to uh, remove it from the mounting tape that I had it mounted to the back of the Ikea Arkelstorp desk, um, <laughs> I broke it and therefore needed a new one. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, and uh, this desk is from CB2. It was it was too expensive, but it's, it's nice. I like it. Um, yeah. I, I have, therefore, entirely... 100% excised every last bit of Ikea furniture from my life. And not that, not that I think it's a bad thing, but I don't know. It, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. Maybe. It's it's the next phase of your life. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, that's what they say. Um, and then the, the other side pick of the week is um, something that, that came up last week where uh, a text expander, because it allows me to win at one very specific thing. Ugh. Well, so text expander is actually really good and it's a weird product. Cause actually I don't actually, should I even recommend this anymore? Do you use it? Well, actually you shouldn't, but do you? No. Okay. So text expander from smile software. It's, it's really good, but the only problem is like, and it basically, it allows you to set different key commands to autofill certain things. So for the part that's very, 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 very specific to this show is I can type semicolon m-o-n and it will automatically fill in uh multiple emojis with money with wings and week break allowing us to separate our slack channels between um weeks so it's easier to plan the show um and i tried to remember why the money with wings came out and i don't really remember i think it might have been like after like uber got some weird valuation or something like that <laughs> probably but yeah, so it, it, it allows you to make shortcuts that allow you to fill in stuff like that. So like whenever I'm doing like a journal entry uh, in day one at night, I have uh, two text expander shortcuts where I can just type semicolon date and it'll write out automatically a long form Wednesday comma December 19th comma 2018. And then I can do semicolon LOG and that allows me to fill out a bunch of stuff automatically that I would want to write about or that I would want to like maybe catalog the day. So it's it's just a really cool thing that has a lot of applications for personal and business use. Um, the only reason why I'd be hesitant to recommend it is that, like everything else, and I'm, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's moving to a subscription model. And I bought it when it was like a standard perpetual license for like 40 bucks. Uh, and I think it's like $5 a month, which is kind of steep-ish. Like there's a lot of value to be gained from it. But for the one-off user, I'm not sure that's something they would do. 
Hmm. Yeah, that does that's does seem high. Yeah, but what is what five dollars a month to to beat me at the the week break thing? That's that's probably worth it. Yeah, true. Yeah. All right. What you got? All right. Well, so I, I've got I've got two, uh, in a, in a very uh, Carlos style way of doing these things. Comes in twos. That's right. Um. So the first is I've got a product and I've got a show. So mm. the product is this is a wire cutter pick and is is very relevant to this time of year. Um. So I have a, a long sad history with bad tree stands christmas tree stands you know i've just had some cheap ones and they've just been very frustrating to work with which makes what should be a fun thing to do putting up your tree become just kind of a hassle Um, but this this recommendation from the wire cutter the kreiner tree genie xxl christmas tree stand is so freaking cool like it made putting up our tree this year totally effortless. Like I, I, I could basically, if, if I absolutely had to have done it by myself, I could have, which is like, that's a crazy thing to be able to say with putting up a tree. And it's, it's a little bit pricey. It's like 80 bucks, but it's super, super solidly constructed and kind of seems like it'll literally just like last forever. So it's a little bit of an investment, but it's even after like one year of use, is well on its way to paying for itself. So if you're ever looking for a Christmas tree stand, I I would highly recommend this. So I have two questions. One is serious. One's not. So aren't Christmas tree stands traditional, like where it just has like kind of like a metal spike in it and you just have to somehow like screw the tree onto it. Right. So this one, it just doesn't just like kind of, you just uh, like angle the tree in and it just kind of like gla- uh, clamps it in. So the, that little lever that's on the side is a foot lever. So you, you put the tree down inside with those little claws stretched all the way back. And then you pump that pedal with your foot and it closes the claws around the trunk of the tree. And I assume this thing is very, very heavy. So very, very, very heavy. Yeah. I assume that's why it says expected to arrive after Christmas. Right. I do like that Amazon suggests that you send the gift of Prime instead. <laughs> Always be closing. And then my, my jokey question was, does it have any smart home integration? But I, I I, unfortunately not. It does have a uh, little gauge that tells you how full the water uh, tank is, which is quite handy. But it does not, does not send notifications to your phone or anything. Yeah, it's for next year's model. Mm-hmm. Or there's some way to integrate the, the Echo with, with the Roomba and allow it to uh, water itself. But... That'd, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right. And your show pick? So my show pick, this is not an original pick. I'm I'm quite late to the show and have had many, many people recommend it to me, which is the Great British Baking Show. Ooh, Soggy Bottom. We, <laughs> yes. We, uh, on this trip last week, watched the, they do like a Christmas special. So we watched that and that was actually the first time we had watched it. It's it's just a really really fun show. Like we we watch some other baking competition shows and and love the heck out of those. This one's a little different because it's a little more lighthearted. Maybe it was just because it was the Christmas episodes, but I just it just you just watch it and you just kind of feel happy. 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, if you're looking for something lighthearted and just kind of fun, um, I recommend this. So a couple of things here. So is this with the new cast or the old cast, or are you aware that there are even cast controversies? I <laughs> see. Damn it, nothing can be just good anymore. I, I was not aware of that. So this is, um, there's private sector and public sector British Bake Off. So from 2010 to, I think it, it, two years ago, uh, the Great British Bake Off or Great Britain, yeah, Great British Bake Off was a BBC like public, uh, type situation. And then something happened where it moved over to channel four, which is one of the private. Yeah. The one that we watched was had a little thing about being produced for channel four before it got it wait is this tv that fell off a truck or is this netflix was this oh good good um so yeah so when it moved from being like uh, uh, t- when they took it private they um yeah apparently they lost a couple of people like so there was um is it the host hold on like there was there's this one um lady who's kind of like she looks she's she's like a funny rachel maddow i don't think she's on the new one she was the host but then there's the guy who looks like kind of british guy fieri sort of <laughs> what's his name it's not like uh, all many of the names are very british and so i i don't i don't recall most of them um oh maybe he's not on this one anymore oh no yeah no yeah oh i I thought this was a joke but actually his name is actually paul hollywood yeah that's right yeah so he's he's kind of the british guy fury but he's he's cool and then there's uh mary berry who's um you you always want to get approval from her but no this this is yeah this is a very good show it's very good um i don't want to say mindless because that has like a really negative connotation but it's 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 low mental energy and it's positive like there's no there's no like um like top chef like competitive conniving bs and oh here's how we're gonna make your life hard like it's it's just i don't know it's 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 very british it's classically british in the sense that people expect them to not be garbage mm-hmm. ex- except the whole imperialism thing yeah they, they they don't they don't get into that on the show yeah um yeah, but no, it's 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 a very good show. Uh, for a while, it was on PBS, and it was kind of like this weird import show that not a lot of people knew about. But then, as as you talked about with streaming services, Netflix changes everything, and then oh, actually, that's the the link you sent me, PBS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who who well, actually spoilers? But uh, did the person you want to win win, or did you not have any have a favorite? We didn't have a strong rooting interest. It's see it it's. The the Christmas ones we watch. I don't know if this is the way the show normally works, but it, each episode was kind of its own thing, so it wasn't like the winner moved on to something else. Like the 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 ones that we watch on Food Network, it's like a multi week competition, so you really do start to root for people because you get invested with them over time. But mm-hmm. this being one off episodes, you don't you don't really have that same level of investment. Got it. Yeah. Good bakers. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it for the year. We are off next week. We'll be back the second or the first week of January, probably. Yeah, the second. Mm-hmm. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you in 2019.